Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. Episode 29 is a special one because for the first time in over a month, this episode actually isn't fueled by the negativity surrounding a loss. No, instead I've gotten the chance for a week of reflection and optimism before being stomped back into reality by the New England Patriots. So I'm going to do this episode a little bit differently than usual. Instead of going over all the players that let me down this week and didn't do their jobs properly and all the coaching dilemmas and issues that we got going on, instead... I'm going to uh, kind of talk about the Jets' future, what we got looking at 2019, get us prepped for that, because I hate to say it, but we have to say it, this season really is about uh, about over for the New York Jets. We're just kind of seeing where we're going to be drafting, and then got to start evaluating players for next year, so I'm going to do a little bit of that. First, I'm going to start with uh, what I always do, a little bit of AFC East news, check in there, very quiet this week, but there's some stuff. We're going to do a little bit of NFL news, talk about the Monday night football game, some of the injuries this week the MVP race and a preview of the Thanksgiving games, but then we're going to get into the New York Jets. I'm going to do a very small little preview of the NFL draft coming up next year. I'm uh, not going to get into that too much because there's plenty of time for that in the offseason, but uh, get a look into free agency because free agency, even though that's an offseason thing as well, it's worth looking at now because the New York Jets have 29 players under contract next year. Some of them can be cut. Some of them will remain on the roster, but of those 29, you know, who's going to start is something that the New York Jets coaching staff and general management has to try to figure out. Which guys they're going to be replacing? Who's going to be coming in? All that stuff kind of depends on the evaluation that we have going on this year. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Go into some coaches that we could potentially look at. A preview of the New England Patriots, and that's basically the bulk of it. May go on some tangents here and there as usual, but for the most part, this is probably going to be a bit shorter of an episode than usual, just because there's a little bit less content in a bye week. Never know. Sometimes these things get derailed and go much longer than I ever anticipate. We'll leave that option open as well. This is just going to kind of be an off the cusp sort of thing. But uh, it's Thanksgiving week, which is always a big week in NFL. just want to say I'm thankful for all the fans that are listening, the ones that followed me over here to Gangrene Nation, and the ones who just are tuning in now for the first time, giving me a chance. And, and obviously, I appreciate that. Hopefully, you're finding a little bit more satisfaction than this crisis season the New York Jets have found themselves in. But if you do enjoy what you're listening to, please like, rate, subscribe, you know, all that stuff on the uh, on the forums. Really appreciate it. If you can, all the uh, reviews and everything help fuel the episodes, get more listeners, get the whole thing going, keep me keep me flourishing on this whole thing, which is pretty cool. So that's what's up with that. But moving forward, let's get into a little bit of AFC East news. AFC East was extremely quiet this week. Why? None of the four teams played. The New York Jets, Patriots, Bills, Dolphins, all on buys this week. Crickets are on the AFC East. No one moved up. No one moved back. Jets are still in last place. Patriots are in first place. Dolphins are behind them by a couple games. Bills behind them by a couple games. We are tied with the Bills, but they beat us. So until we play them again, if we can settle the score, things may change for now. We reside in the basement of the division. And what happened this week wasn't as exciting, but next week actually has some pretty big stuff coming up. The New York Jets do play the Patriots. That's going to be our first time playing them. It's a division rival, and we always play the Patriots pretty well for the most part. Uh, we usually lose, though, just in a close game. We'll see if the Jets can keep that up if the season is completely spoiled and everybody's lost all sorts of hope and everything people are coming out flat or if maybe we can get a little bit of rhythm coming out of a bye put something decent together maybe give the Patriots a little bit of run for the money it'd be great to knock them off I know that some people don't want to win they want to get a higher draft pick and winning right now doesn't mean much for the New York Jets but to get the Patriots 
knocked down a bit to get them moving back in the AFC for the playoff picture. I don't want them to have a first-round bye. The Patriots seem to always have a bye every single year. They just make it through the first round, not having to play anybody. They're playing in the divisional round in the AFC Championship game right after that. It just seems too easy, too smooth the sailing for the Patriots. If we can beat them, it could potentially knock them back. They are currently behind the Steelers and behind the Chiefs, so they're not actually scheduled for a first-round bye if the season ended today. Jets can help play a part in that if they can get a win, but we probably will not. We will uh, hopefully just not get our heads handed to us, at least not as bad as we did against Buffalo. When it comes to Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills are 3-7. and seven. They're playing at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are also a three-win team. The intrigue in this game is just where you're going to fall in the draft standings. Are you going to be drafting before the Jaguars? Are the Bills going to be right there with the Jets? Is it going to be something where we're going to be right in there and it comes down to the wire? We are going to play the Bills again, so are we going to be able to beat them? That'll pick up a game on them if we do. Uh, the Jaguars beat us already, but it all comes down to strength schedule by the end of the year, and we'll see how the draft thing uh, plays out. But obviously all the teams that have similar records to the Jets very close you know two win teams three win teams four win teams this whole draft thing is going to come down to those teams whether or not they win in these weeks this is going to be a big game for those reasons also Josh Allen is potentially coming back they say that he's looking good and he's maybe scheduled to start this week against the Jaguars we can see if he can come back healthy and get something going I would like him to be set still looking for that Josh Allen Sam Darnold matchup last week we kind of got gypped and had to watch good old Matt Barkley facing off against Uncle Josh and Jets got shelled What's going on with that? We'd like to see Josh Allen come back healthy and just be a little bit worse than Sam Darnold for the rest of his career. That would be awesome. Then we got the Dolphins, and they are currently fighting for a playoff spot. They are currently in the hunt. If the season ended today, they would not be making the playoffs, but they'd be 5-5, five and five, and they're a couple games out from that playoff picture. The Colts are 5-5, five and five, who they're playing, and they're in the exact same position at 5-5. Five and five. The Colts are on a little bit of a hot streak. The Dolphins are having some issues. Brock Osweiler's been playing for the past few weeks. They're saying that Osweiler's on his way to coming back. Maybe he'll play this week against the Colts. Still a possibility see what happens there we don't want the Dolphins to make the playoffs I know the Colts used to be in the Jets division way back when so they're kind of like a an alternative rival of us but we don't want the Dolphins to make it there you know if we're not going to find success nobody else around us can find success that's just how it's supposed to be makes you feel better when you're not watching your enemies have success if the Dolphins can lose this one that'd be a big blow to them big blow to their season and put them way far back in the uh, playoff hunt with only like five games to go you don't want to be under 500 and that's kind of crazy, too. Five games to go after this week. We've got six games remaining right now. Jets are 3-7, and seven, 10 games. That's crazy. These seasons fly by so fast. It seems like just yesterday we were playing against the Lions on Monday Night Football and everything seemed amazing. It seemed like the Jets were going to be possibly a playoff team. Who couldn't we beat at that point? Defense was spectacular. Sam Darnold was coming in. The running game was going. Isaiah Crowell looked like maybe he'd break 60-yard carries in every game. That hasn't happened, and the New York Jets season has spiraled out of control to the point where we are now 3-7 and seven, talking about which coaches we want to get, which players we want to get for next year, and who we're going to be drafting. And it happened pretty quick. We unfortunately have to spend the last six weeks of the season doing this, which is absolutely not what we wanted. I always say my barometer for success is if the New York Jets are playing a meaningful game in Week 17, then it's a good season. So basically, like the season when we didn't make the playoffs, 2015, we lost to the Bills. That was a good season because when it came down to the very last week, the New York Jets had a chance to win that game and make the playoffs. This season, there's really no way that the New York Jets are making the playoffs, so it's not a successful season. And we know that, and that's the reason that we're going to be firing our coach, maybe our general manager, and basically doing an entire roster overhaul behind the young super stud, Sam Darnold. All right, that's our AFC East news. Let's go into the NFL a little bit. One of the big things that everyone's talking about is the Monday night football game from last night. It was a ridiculously high-scoring game. The St. Louis or Los Angeles Rams ended up winning against the Chiefs, and it was over 100 points scored in that game. It was 54-51. to 51. 
which is absurd in terms of points. They obviously was way over the spread. And a lot of people were expecting a huge shootout, and it was fun for Monday Night Football. But you're hearing all these old-time fans and things listening to the game. And they're calling in on the radio shows, and they're posting things, and Twitter, all sorts of social media, stuff like that. They're all just freaking out. This is the new NFL. This isn't how it's supposed to be. What happened to defense? What's going on? This is a, a terrible thing. It used to be about defense. Now nobody can guard anybody. It's just shootout after shootout, and this is the way the NFL is going. Everyone needs to take a step back real quick, all right? First of all, this was an extremely entertaining game. It wasn't a bad thing. It was probably too many points. We don't want game after game after game looking like this. It wouldn't be great for the NFL if it became like a college football sort of thing. But the NFL did try to get more offense going. They made a bunch of rule changes to help the receivers, to help the quarterbacks and offenses, and allow them to get great yardage downfield and have these big high-scoring games. It sells a little better. But still, this thing hasn't gotten out of hand. We know the Chiefs don't have a great defense, but they have a great offense. We know the Rams don't have a great defense. They've got some great players, but overall they don't have a great defense. But they have a great offense. Great offensive minds in Sean McVay and Andy Reid. Offensive head coaches. On Monday Night Football, two of the hottest young quarterbacks in the league. Skill positions out the wazoo. You've got Todd Gurley against Kareem Hunt. You've got Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods against Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. The whole thing is just absurd when you look through this thing. The play calling was ridiculous. Of course we were expecting a high-scoring game. But all games aren't like this. This is not the standard. This is the exception, not the rule. You know how many teams scored 28 points or more this week? The Rams and the Chiefs did. Other than that, the Saints, one of the other you know top three high-powered offenses in this NFL. Then the Giants, the Bucks, and the Colts. And the Giants were playing the Bucks. Not a lot of defense going on there. And the Colts have Andrew Luck, a guy who slings the ball and tries to score a lot of points. They try to win by outscoring you, not by playing good defense and holding you to less points than they score. Six teams scored 28 points or more. This is not the norm. Everybody needs to stop freaking out. Every once in a while, there's going to be a shootout in the NFL. When two huge offenses with mediocre defenses square up in a game like this, it's going to be a shootout. They were throwing the ball deep over and over and over again. How many times do the Jets even take shots like that in a game? I mean, the Jets, you're watching us, we score somewhere between 6 and 12 points, it seems like, on average. We definitely aren't part of that, this new NFL of everybody doing that. I mean, it's just you're watching, you know, the MVP candidates, Drew Brees, Pat Mahomes and Jared Goff score points like this on occasion, you know, 40 points, sometimes 50. But this doesn't happen all the time to every team. Most teams look like the Jaguars, the Jets, the Bills, the Dolphins, go through everybody, the Titans, the Texans. I don't care who you say, most teams don't look like this at all. So let's not be freaking out talking about the new NFL and how everything's going to shit. It's not the case. Everything's going to be fine. High-scoring teams will score, as they always have in the NFL. Good defenses will hold. Worst offenses there's going to be plenty of games that are 6-9, to nine, miserable to watch, saying, wow, where's the offense? This is supposed to be crazy. But it does not mean that the entire NFL is a terrible offense league built on defense just because the New York Jets play a game against somebody coming up and they lose, you know, 7-12. to 12. doesn't mean that's the way the whole NFL is. It just means the way we are. You don't pick the top three teams and say that's the standard for the NFL. We are going to see a bit more of it because they're going to be making the playoffs. And those teams are going to be on Monday Night Football and stuff more often because they're so much more fun to watch. You're not going to find the Jets on any primetime games for the rest of the year and for a good reason who would want to watch that you know teams like that don't get the spotlight so you're choosing to watch the spotlight I'll tell you what if you're really upset buy direct tv and watch one of you know watch 12 of any 15 games that week and you'll watch a low scoring pretty average offense game it's not going to be like this Anyways, that was just driving me crazy because everyone was just freaking out about it all day. This whole new NFL, this is the way it's going to go from now on. It's all offense-driven. Defenses can't do a thing. 
for crying out loud. Anyways, that's the scoop there. Injuries this week, we had a couple big ones. Trubisky's banged up right now. We'll see what he's doing. That team is kind of hot in Chicago. They need to get him back. Alex Smith is out for the year. Kind of sucks. Colt McCoy is coming in. He's been like a really good poised uh, veteran backup for a long time, and he's been on that team for a long time. I think he knows the offense pretty well. We'll see how he plugs in and plays. One of the other things in the NFL that a lot of people are talking about is the MVP race. Who's going to win MVP? In my mind, it's hands down Drew Brees. I think that he's playing a much better season right now than Pat Mahomes. I know Pat Mahomes has all the fire, the hotness. You know, he's young. He's putting up crazy amounts of touchdowns, but Drew Brees is playing almost perfect football, and that team is playing better than the Kansas City Chiefs right now. Drew Brees currently on the season has one turnover. He's got one turnover on the whole year. Mahomes has 12 turnovers. Drew Brees has 10% higher completion percentage than Pat Mahomes. His team is playing better football than the Chiefs. He's doing historical things. He's breaking records. He's maybe going to have the highest completion percentage of all time in a season after this one. The guy's playing out of his freaking mind. And yes, Pat Mahomes is throwing more touchdowns, more yardage right now, but he's chucking the ball around a lot more. The Saints run the ball a lot. They run the ball more than most teams in the league. They got Kamara and Ingram, and they actually are a pretty run-heavy team going right now. But when Drew Brees throws the ball, it seems like, wow, Drew, that's a passing offense. That's only because 78% of the throws Drew Brees makes are completed to somebody. And he gets the ball downfield pretty quick, and they got some skill players doing stuff after the catch as well too. But, you know, when you're completing 78% of your passes, you're definitely going to have inflated numbers. You only have to throw the ball 20 times to get your, you know, 17 completions rather than having to throw the ball 23 times. Drew Brees is playing amazing. He's a Hall of Famer. It's kind of funny that he's played this well for so long. He's going to have so many records by the time his career is over, it seems like. And still, most of the time he's been playing, it's been talking about Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, and Tom Brady. Seems like it's never really been on Drew Brees' the conversation of who's the best of all time, who's the best in the league right now, even though Drew Brees will have some of the best records all time, and he's playing like the best quarterback in the league right now. Still, we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers being that guy. We're going to talk about Tom Brady being the guy. We'll see if Brees can get a Super Bowl. You know, that was my Super Bowl pick going into the season, and I'm standing by it because I think he's playing absolutely awesome, and I'd like to see him do it because he's a guy that I root for. That's a fan base and a team that I root for, and uh, it's good to see. But Pat Mahomes playing extremely well. Don't get me wrong. He's got plenty of time. He'll be playing long after Breeze is gone and retired, but it's not going to be Mahomes' year this year. It's going to be Breeze. I think that's really all I have for NFL news. I'm going to switch it over to the New York Jets and talk about some stuff that we're going to be doing coming up in the next year and stuff that we can evaluate for the rest of this year. But before we do that, got to do my favorite section of What's on Tap. That's right. What's on Tap, section where I talk about the beer that I'm currently drinking while recording this episode. And today is a Sweetwater Going Coastal IPA with pineapple. Sweetwater is a beer that I have reviewed on this show before, not this particular one, but they make uh, what they call tackle boxes that are assortment variety packs of their beers. And I think that for like the variety pack, I like to get variety packs because then I don't spend a ton of money, but I can get like four different beers, have a few of each one instead of having to drink the same thing all week. But the Sweetwater, I think overall, it's like one of the most solid assortment packs that you can get. A lot of times you get one and they throw in like one weird novelty beer. It's like, you know, ice cream, brandy, black stout, and they just throw it in there and it's like, what? You're just doing some experimental thing, trying to get rid of these, putting it into an assortment pack. Sweetwater doesn't really do that. They put in four beers and I like all of them. I think that this is one of like the middle of the road ones for them. They're going coastal IPA. Not my favorite that they do. Definitely not my least favorite. It's 6.1% alcohol. It is 
definitely an IPA and tastes like it's just like blasted with pineapple. It doesn't really subtly sit in there. It's kind of like a sharp pineapple flavor over a sort of sharp hoppy IPA. So it's not super smooth, but you know, when it's 6.1% and it's as available as it is and it's somewhat inexpensive and you're just trying something new, you're only buying like three of these at a time since it's an assortment pack. It's pretty good. They say don't float the mainstream. That's the saying for Sweetwater Beer. And this thing is brewed out of one Atlanta, Georgia. So it's still an East Coast sort of thing going on here. But it's good. Their theme is fishing. That's what drew to me drew me to it in the first place. I'm a big fisherman in the summer. And they got a bunch of like, this one's got a rainbow trout coming out of the water. Two fishermen, one reeling it in. You can see he's he's definitely quite excited. That might be a lady, in fact, catching that, that trout. But it is quite the catch. And they are pleased with it. And I'm pleased with this beer. Glad to be reviewing it right now. I would say that it's worth getting the variety pack. If they sold this separate, I don't think I'd buy it. But if it's in a variety pack, it's not one that I'm going to dodge. Like those ones that uh, you end up getting and sitting in the back of your fridge for the rest of the year. I still have some of those that I probably will never drink. And eventually I throw them out and feel guilty. But it's like I'd rather feel guilty than drink that terrible garbage trash they throw in as the fourth beer in an assortment pack. So anyway, Sweetwater Going Coastal IPA with pineapple. That's what I'm drinking tonight. And... So I'll be drinking for the rest of this episode. Let's move on to the New York Jets. Where tonight we are doing the state of the franchise. Going to talk about all the issues going on with this team. Things that we can do. Where we're sitting. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's going to be changing with this New York Jets organization. We're talking about coaches. Everybody's doing that. We're talking about the big free agents. People are consistently talking about Le'Veon Bell. And the big names that could be coming to the Jets. There are a lot of other things that we have to do. A lot of little changes that Jets are going to need to make. We've we've noticed this year, as we've had some injuries, when we caught the injury bug, we were not ready to play at a high level. Um, we don't have great depth on this team, and it doesn't look like we're going to have great depth going into next year either. We're going to have to find guys, and we're going to have to find people that can fill in when people get injured, because every single year, somebody gets injured. Almost everybody plays. When you go through that initial 53-man roster, um, if you take a look at the people on the team right now even, Basically, every single one of them has played some sort of significant minutes for the New York Jets, and what they've done has either helped or hurt the New York Jets in some way. There's not people that just really sneak by on the team, except for some backup offensive linemen that haven't played this year. They have, because you're not asking Dakota Dozier to come in and play spot snaps here and there. If people are healthy, they're not playing, but when it comes to almost every other position on the team, you've got somewhat of a rotation, and you've got a lot of players playing, you know, defensive line, linebacker coming in for things here and there. You're going to change your defensive looks if you're playing a you know, you could be playing a 3-4 on a play, a 4-3 on the next. You could be playing 5-6 defensive backs. A lot of people are going to be asked to play on offense. You're going to play a bunch of wide receivers in sets. You're going to play three tight end sets. You're going to play all sorts of different running backs. You're going to play people on special teams. Everybody's involved, and the Jets have to get better in a number of different places. I know there's a few places that you can say right away, we want to get a wide receiver. We want to get an edge rusher. We want to get a running back. Offensive line has to be addressed. Yeah, those are my big needs as well. But we're going to have to get a lot of guys in other places as well, and some you may not be expecting. So let's get into some of the stuff that's going on in this New York Jets roster going into next season. It's going to help us evaluate, you know, the players that we're looking at maybe re-signing that aren't planning on being on the roster right now, you know, unrestricted free agents for the New York Jets. Should we re-sign them? Got to figure that out this year. And the players that will be on the roster, are they willing to or able to step up into starting roles? Can they remain being starters? Are they people that need to be replaced? Keep in mind, with this team right now, we're a 3-7 team. So clearly, if we were to get every single person back, a lot of these starters need to be replaced. So getting rid of our starters and putting in new replacements, I mean, it's necessarily not going to make you much better. You're going to have to get a lot of different pieces to come in. The New York Jets currently have 29 players under contract for next year. It's the fewest in the entire NFL. You've got to sign at least 24 more players to go into next year to have a full roster. 
The Jets are slated to have $100 million in salary cap for next year to spend on these players. It's the second most in the NFL, so what we're preparing for, and the Jets could potentially get more depending on who they cut. There are some players that I think right now should be cut, <laughs> Spencer Long, that would save money right away. But the Jets are going to be in a little bit of trouble. They're going to have to make a lot of moves and a lot of moves quick, and I don't think that necessarily means going after the big prize free agent and spending it all on one, two, three guys. They're going to have to get a lot of players across the board, and in Mike McCagnan fashion, it seems like he's always doing it, we're going to have to get some good negotiated, you know, nice team-friendly contracts on this thing, some bargain players here and there to fill in a lot of these gaps. We do need stars. This New York Jets team has too much money and too little talent to not bring in stars. Sure, we've got to do it. We've got to draft well as well. It's a huge part of it. But there's a lot of things this Jets team has to do to get ready. Let's go through some of the players that contracts are expiring next year. Josh McCown. I'm just going to read them off real quick. There's a lot of them. Josh McCown, Morris Claiborne, Buster Screen, James Carpenter, Jermaine Curse, Bilal Powell, Steve McClendon, Quincy Nunwa, Ben Ijelana, Rontez Miles, Brent Qualley, Neil Sterling, Josh Martin, Jeremiah Atachu, Brandon Copeland, Andre Roberts, Richard Matthews, Dakota Dozier, Jonathan Harrison, Henry Anderson, Neville Hewitt, Jason Myers, Eric Tomlinson, Davis Webb, Daryl Roberts, Doug Middleton, Robbie Anderson, Frankie Louvu, and Deontay Burnett. Wow, all those players are not under contract next year. Now, of all that list of players, only two of them are restricted free agents, Eric Tomlinson and Robbie Anderson. Now, what does that mean? The unrestricted free agents, say Josh McCown, he can sign anywhere that he wants. Any team can say, hey, here's $10 million. Do you want to play for us? And he says, yes, I'd like to play there. Robbie Anderson's a restricted free agent. So say the Los Angeles Chargers offer him $10 million. The New York Jets, since he's restricted, have the option to match the exact same contract that the highest bidder or any team that Robbie Anderson's willing to play for offers. So regardless of what Robbie Anderson is offered by any team in the market, the New York Jets will have the last say and say whether or not they want to match the exact same contract and get him back. Now, given the free agent wide receivers that are on the market, there's a very, very good chance the New York Jets are going to match a contract for Robbie Anderson. Hopefully some team's not going to jack the price up on the New York Jets and make us pay more than we have to, more than we want to. But at the end of the day, I know that he's had a struggling season for the New York Jets this year. He's fumbled the ball. He's not been the great receiver that he'd been for Josh McCown. But the guy's got a skill set that the New York Jets need. He's got speed, pretty strong hands. He's got the ability to play in the NFL. He's better than a lot of the free agents out there. And when Sam Darnold has a, a smart, creative, intelligent offense that he's running well, he's going to need weapons, guys like Robbie Anderson, that can do specific roles. He doesn't have to do everything on the field, but certain playbook plays for Robbie Anderson that will help us be a successful offense. It's going to be important, so I have a very good feeling they're going to sign him back. The other restricted free agent, Eric Tomlinson, Probably not. That guy's playing terrible. He's blocking worse and worse every week. He's catching worse and worse every week. Uh, he doesn't deserve to be on this roster. He's probably going to be just... He might not even be on a team. Probably be on a practice squad or something. But other than that, everybody's an unrestricted free agent. They can sign anywhere that they want to, and the New York Jets may not have a say in it. They don't have a say in it. I mean, they can offer a contract, but if the player doesn't want to play here, then they won't. And that's the end of it. So I know I said that list fast. You may want to go back and rewind it and hear it again. But those are the players that aren't going to be under contract. Now let's go over the players that will be under contract and kind of talk about what we're set in line for right now before making any signings with that $100 million that we have. Start with the offensive line. Kelvin Beecham, he signs our left tackle. We no longer have a left guard because James Carpenter is no longer under contract. Spencer Long is the center. Now he's not playing very well and he's a guy that we can either shift to guard or potentially cut and save about $7 million, which may be worthwhile because he's not playing well at all this year. His backup, Jonathan Harrison, has come in and he's not under contract for next year. So maybe we resign him, but we don't have a center if we don't want to play long there. We've got winners, 
we've got Shell. Now we know our offensive line has issues, so some of those guys are going to have to be replaced. James Carpenter will naturally be replaced. I'm sure he won't be coming back. And then we'll see about Winters and Log, what we're going to do there. But we'll probably keep our two tackles, what we've got going on right now. Sam Darnold's going to be playing quarterback. We don't know who the backup's going to be. We don't have Josh McCown or Davis Webb under contract. We don't know if we want either one of them to be the backup on this team. But a move may have to be made there. When it comes to wide receivers, the only wide receiver under contract next year is Sharon Peak. Every one of them. Terrell Pryor's already gone. Richard Matthews is going to be gone. Deontay Burnett is going to be a free agent. Same with Quincy Nunwa and Jermaine Curse and Robbie Edge is that restricted free agent. So you've got only Sharon Peak under contract. What if the other guys who are unrestricted free agents, what if we have no control over them coming back? They say, hey, I'm going to go play elsewhere. I'm tired of this offense. I don't like what we're doing there. I don't like the management, whatever it is. Change of scenery. we got to make moves there. That's why I'm saying Robbie Anderson very likely is going to be re-signed by this team. Tight ends. We've got Herndon, who's playing pretty well and probably going to start for this team, and then Leggett. That's it. We're losing Sterling and Tomlinson. Do you want to re-sign both of them? This Jets current roster plays four suited-up tight ends. So if that's the case, we're going to have to get two more there. Isaiah Crowell, Eli McGuire, and Trenton Cannon at running back. We usually have three or four. Are we going to keep Trenton Cannon? I mean, that's a position that definitely can be upgraded. Crowell's very inconsistent. McGuire's just coming off of his injury. I think he's playing pretty well, deserves a spot on this team. But Cannon's not proved anything yet. We don't know where he ranks. That's all we have on the offense set right now. Beecham, Long, Winners, Shell, Darnold, Herndon, Leggett, Peak, Crowell, McGuire, and Cannon. The only guys under contract. And some of them may be cut. Peak, Long, Leggett, Cannon. Those guys could be cut. Should give us more openings and gaps in this team. So obviously we need wide receivers. Running back could use an upgrade. We're going to need to get some depth tight end. We're going to need offensive linemen. A lot of money's going to have to be set on that offense. Now let's take a look at the defense. What do we have set there? Leonard Williams, still under contract. In the middle... Mike Pinnell, and Foley Fadakasi. Fadakasi's not suited up in a game. He's been a healthy scratch in every game this year, but was drafted late out of UConn. Mike Pinnell's under contract for another year, but Steve McClendon is gone. Then you got Nathan Shepard as your other end, because Henry Anderson is out. He's an unrestricted free agent, one of the guys on the list. So we're probably going to need some depth there, and the way Nathan Shepard's playing, we're probably going to need another high-level defensive end. Sure, you can get Henry Anderson back, say, oh, I'll resign Henry Anderson. Then you've got the exact same defensive line you've got this year. Is it playing well enough to our standards? You don't have McClendon in there, so it's taking a little bit of a step back. We don't know what we have in Foley Fadakasi. But let's not act like this Jets team is great right now. We're a three-win team. So if we have the same things, we can re-sign all these players. We're going to be right where we are. We need to take steps forward. So getting Henry Anderson, sure, might be good. We made another guy as well, an impact player. Not what Nathan Shepard's given us so far. Go to the linebackers. Jordan Jenkins is under contract, as is Avery Williamson and Darren Lee. All starters, I think Darren Lee could easily be replaced right now. Williamson and Jenkins are playing great football. But on the other side, Brandon Copeland's free agent. Josh Martin's a free agent. So you'd be starting at this rate, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, because he's under contract. Probably going to need an outside linebacker for sure. We knew we needed an edge rusher. Are we going to need some depth in the middle? Absolutely. Neville Hewitt's not on the team. You know, you don't even have Frankie Louvu. He's an unrestricted free agent. Linebackers are going to need depth, for sure. Do you want more bad depth, practice squad players, or do you need to make this team better? Probably going to have to get some skill there. Then you go to the defensive backfield, and this is something that we've spent a lot of money, draft pick, and time on in the last few years. We still have a little bit of trouble there. 
Tremaine Johnson's under contract. We know that. He's our high-paid cornerback. But when you're talking about cornerbacks, we don't have Mo Claiborne, Buster Screen, or Daryl Roberts. No, instead, the other guys that we have replacing them will be Rashard Robinson, Derek Jones, and Perry Nickerson. All under contract. And all a step down from their replacements. Nickerson's not taking the spot from Buster Screen so far because Nickerson didn't play as well as Buster Screen. Buster Screen's not great, but Nickerson had huge holes in this game so far. Robinson and Jones, those guys have played very, very sparingly. Mo Claiborne and Daryl Roberts have played very good football. Unless you want to take a huge step down in your secondary, you got to replace two cornerbacks there. Maybe three. Your safeties, luckily, is still going to be Adams and May. And you still have Terrence Brooks. He's going to be coming back. But you don't have Doug Middleton. No Rontez Miles. You're going to have to get some sort of depth safety there. The only other guys in the contract are, under contract are going to be Basham, Lachlan Edwards, Thomas Hennessy. That's the entire Jets team that we have. Now, that's not good enough right now. If we resigned all these players, we wouldn't be good enough, and we're losing a lot of these players. So we have to make a ton of moves and fast. We can't just get cheap options. We can't just get practice squad players. And I think we've learned over the years that the New York Jets, we can't rely on these draft picks to come in and play. We've got to fill a ton of these holes before the draft. We have to go into the draft with as few holes as physically possible on this team, or we're going to be in big, big trouble. Sam Darnold's under a a rookie contract right now. We have more money to spend than we're ever going to have for the next couple of years. We've got this opportunity, and then if we eventually pay Sam Darnold, we're not going to have quite the capital that we've got right now. So we need to take advantage of that while we have it. We need to get good players surrounded against it, around him. Sam Darnold's not had a chance to play, and we were thinking, like, well, maybe Sam Darnold's just young. He can't get the offense going. Josh McCown came in for a game and played worse. Josh McCown's a guy that had a really good successful 2017. Can't do anything in 2018 when he played a game against the Bills. At home. Couldn't do a thing. Because this offense, this team, isn't good enough. The Bills had Matt Barkley. We couldn't stop him because the team that we currently have on the field isn't good enough. So we have to replace these players, and we've got to replace them quick with good, strong players. Now, you look around the free agency, and there's not a ton of players that are really, really great. There's not those, like, you know, franchise-changing players. There's not a guy that you can bring in here and say, wow, this everything's going to be different with him playing there. That's not the case this year. I've actually spent a lot of time looking through the upcoming free agent class, just, like, searching for a guy. There's got to be someone hidden in there that we can get, and it would really change everything, and we can get him off from a big deal. And I'm finding them here and there, you know, in the weeds, these guys in the bottom, young guys that aren't making very much money right now. They're kind of hidden in there. It's like, oh, yeah, he could actually be pretty good. But for the most part, there's not a lot of big names that you'd be looking for to kind of change things really quick. In my opinion, last year's draft class, or free agency class, rather, was much, much better than what we've got going on right now. But I basically put together a little bit of a wish list for 2018, some guys that I think could help make this Jets team better. And as the season goes on, this is obviously subject to change, but it's just some guys to look at. These are going to be free agents coming next year, and if you can find them in games, kind of like scouting for the draft, you're looking at the young college players. In this one, you can kind of spend some time looking at some NFL players and say, is he a guy that I think would be a good fit on this New York Jets team? Is he a guy that I'd like? Because somewhere, one way or another, the New York Jets are going to have to get some of these guys. We have to. We have way too many holes in this team. Not just because the players can't play, but because there's literally not a body in that position. We don't have people under contract. So here we go. Left guard Roger Saffold. He's playing for the LA Rams. I think he'd be very good. He's one of the highest rated uh, guards in pro football focus, which I don't love to use, but for offensive linemen, it's hard to find good metrics or stats to prove. Uh, when you watch the games, you can see he's playing well. He's a good, skilled veteran guard. He's been in the league for a while, and he could quickly replace James Carpenter and be an improvement right away. He may require a decent amount of money for a guard. But we got to improve this offensive line, and we don't even have a starting left guard. There aren't very many good guard options that I've seen so far. 
Here's a guy that we probably won't be able to get because I think he's a restricted free agent, but Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, he'd be a guy that you could put on the defensive line, replace Henry Anderson with him, and he'd be awesome. He'd be worth a lot of money. If the New York Jets can find a way to get him from Dallas, that would be great. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it because Dallas loves him and wants him, but he's the kind of guy that can change a defense and make things much, much better, much easier on the defensive line, on the defensive backs who are covering. He can get to the quarterback pretty quick, and he's young. And you got some running backs. Le'Veon Bell's the guy that everybody's saying. Le'Veon Bell, sure, he would be the best player, probably this entire free agent list that you can find. He'd be the guy that could make the biggest impact, especially for Sam Darnold, right away for the offense. He's a guy that can basically be a running back one and a wide receiver two. He can come in, he can catch, he can block pretty well, he can run all sorts of different runs, creative offense, and yeah, there's not many players like this that you can find in this free agent class. I mean, he's a, a generational running back for our lifetime my lifetime rather I guess depends on how old you are when you're listening to this but for the last 10 years he's been one of the best running backs in the league but how much money is he going to want he's going to want some ridiculous contract he's already said it I mean he said in the offseason that he wouldn't play for the New York Jets for 60 million dollars that would be what 20 million dollars a year for three years or 15 million dollars a year for four years both of those are pretty steep steep contracts it's possible that the New York Jets will go after him I don't know what the market for him is going to be like but he's got to be taken with a grain of salt because he's had injury problems. If you give him a huge contract like that and he gets injured, you're no better then than you are now. You just have less money and probably more holes in your team because you couldn't get other free agents from getting his contract. So we know he's had injury problems in the past. He's coming off a season where he hasn't even played. I mean, what happened to Des Bryant when he came in after one practice? And he was trying to stay in football shape, doing his thing, ready to play. He comes into the Saints, actually plays, and puts himself in a real football situation. And he tears his Achilles. Just like that, bang, Des Bryant out because he hasn't been playing. What if that happens to Le'Veon Bell? It's got to be something you got to be worried about. He's trying to stay in football shape, but he's not in football shape because he's not playing football. Hopefully it's not something that's going to cost him, hurt him. He's also been suspended. He's also a player that's not showing up to his team. It's okay, he doesn't have to show up to his team. He doesn't owe anything, but it's a little bit of a red flag. I would be a little bit disappointed if one of these Jets players or anybody in the league just doesn't show up to a team that's offering them a contract. I know he wants to get out of there. I know the Steelers haven't made it easy on him, but they did offer him a pretty good contract to keep playing for them. So all these red flags, it's like, do you really want to throw that much money when you have all these holes? Do you want to put, you know, 20% of that $100 million into one guy that could break this whole team apart very, very quickly if it doesn't work? There are some bargain options. Mark Ingram, he's going to be a free agent. He's playing good. Strong football, good runner. He's got a really, really good move set. He can uh, run fast. He doesn't catch great, but he can run quickly, and he can put his shoulder down. He can do a bunch of uh, juke moves, spin moves, stiff arms, strong arms, strong legs. Uh, he's a pretty good balanced running. He's got a lot of tread on the tires as well because the New Orleans Saints always run multiple running backs. So for his entire career, basically, he's split carries. He's never been that big bell cow who's taken 400 carries for a season. So I think he's got a little bit more tread on the tires than his age would show. He's still not that old. He's under 30, and he's a player that could help this Jets offense for less than Le'Veon Bell. Think of another guy, Tevin Coleman. Now, he's younger than both of them, Le'Veon Bell and Mark Ingram. And Tevin Coleman is coming off uh, a pretty good season right now. He's filling in for for uh, DeMonte Freeman in Atlanta, and he's been good for the last couple of years. He can catch. He can block. He's kind of like a young, um, like a light version of Le'Veon Bell, and if that's what the Jets are going for, why not take a guy who's going to cost half that? I mean, the Jets could feasibly sign Mark Ingram and Tevin Coleman to the same contract that Le'Veon Bell would get, and then have two guys. 
a two-headed monster in a Mark Ingram who can get the goal line carries the third and ones, and Telvin Coleman who can play your scat back and mix in there and do your uh, your shifty moves, your catching third down back. I mean, that's something the Jets could be looking at. They do have a couple good running backs in the roster right now. Isaiah Crowell is solid. He's going to be playing on the team somewhere because he's worth at least, you know, playing some sort of some sort of time with an NFL team. He's not a guy that shouldn't be in the league. He's just not a guy that should be carrying, you know, the the load, the bulk of a team's handoffs. But Elijah McGuire, he's a guy who's also showing a little bit where it's like, all right, maybe we trust him. But still, keep in mind, if this is okay, if everyone's like, well, we could just go with Crowell and Eli McGuire next year, I think that'd be that'd be all right. If that's fine with you right now, then you're blaming entirely the offensive line, and you think that this running back game that you're going to see against the Patriots, that you saw against the Bills, that you're going to see for the rest of the season, is exactly the running back stable that you want to go into next year with. I mean, they're not really getting it done. They're not making Sam Darnold or Josh McCown's life any easier out there. The offensive line's not doing great, but these guys are not finding the holes. They're not getting big yardage, not doing yards after catch. They're not, uh, you know, it's here and there. Eli McGuire's been pretty good, but not for any sort of volume yardage. He's gotten four yards a carry, you know, 30 yards here, 28 yards there. But he's not running for 100 yards in a game. So what's to make me think that he's going to be able to do that? If he can do that, then he should do it now. He should help Sam Darnold and Josh McCown now. He should try to, you know, Todd Bowles should be like, save my job, we need to win games, run for 100 yards now. Or maybe he's not capable of doing it. we got to find out. Stuff we have to evaluate for the rest of the year. But Le'Veon Bell, Mark Ingram, Tevin Coleman, they're going to be players that the New York Jets are looking at. Wide receiver, we said, it's going to be a huge position for the Jets. Nice, big, tall receiver to go opposite of a, a really fast burner, Robbie Anderson. You could be looking at a guy like Kelvin Benjamin. He might be a, a better option than Devin Funches, who is also an unrestricted free agent. Both tall, sort of slow, big target receivers. They could be a good mix for the Jets now. We currently have Quincy Nunwa and Jermaine Curse, and I don't know how much better Devin Funches is than those guys or how much better Kelvin Benjamin is than those guys. But right now, the way Curse is playing, you're thinking, maybe we're not going to sign him back. And the way Quincy Nunwa keeps getting injured, you're thinking, maybe it's too risky to sign him back. If Quincy can stay healthy for the rest of the year, I said it in the last episode, I'll say it again, if he can stay healthy, he's a guy that I'd like to have under contract. But if he can't stay healthy, he's not helping the team, and then you got to have another depth guy step up. And now Sam Darnold's playing with... You know, the Deontay Burnett and the Andre Roberts at wide receiver. Sharon Peaks, and it's just a, a tough offense, and you can't get anything going, and it's stagnating everything and putting the year back. You can't have that sort of thing. You need to have players that are going to be on the field and play good, productive football for you. If Quincy Nuno can prove that he can be that guy, sure, I'd love to get him back. So far, he hasn't done that, so we got to look elsewhere. Not great receiver options. It's not great. you got to tackle if you just want to get a little bit of depth. A guy like Central Henderson... You know, he might be one of the better guys you can get. But still, how many of these guys are really going to change this Jets offense? So what? So they signed Quincy Nunwa, they signed Kelvin Benjamin, and they signed Tevin Coleman and Roger Saffold. Is that going to be enough to put us over the top? Probably not. We'd probably need a really good offensive coordinator. Probably need a really good offensive-minded coach. Somebody who can help make a creative playbook, get these guys in the right position to be successful, and you know, put together a good, strong season. This offense can't look as vanilla and boring and bland as it does right now. It can't be running up the two-hole and one-hole on first and second down, having a third and eight and running curl patterns to a bunch of covered, slow receivers. That can't be what it is. That's what it's been all year this year, it feels like. We're going to have to change things. So, you know, the execution of a new implemented game plan playbook is definitely going to help things as well. You just want to have some versatile weapons in there. 
the Jets can find a quick, shifty slot receiver, I think that'd be really helpful for him as well. I mean, when you're looking at it, Jarvis Landry would have been a great signing. He would have been really perfect for this New York Jets team. I know he's a punk. I don't like to really listen to him, you know, off the field or anything. I don't even like to listen to him mic'd up on the field. Um, he's an abrasive, annoying personality, in my opinion. I'm not, he's not a player that I'm a fan of, partially because he played for the Dolphins for a while. And then Hard Knocks this year didn't help it, but um, there's no denying that the guy's got an edge. He plays good, consistent slot. He catches all sorts of things. He can play really anywhere on the field, I guess, for that matter. He can play outside as well. He can get short, deep, gets yards after the catch, and he's a guy that shows up time and time again. That's the kind of guy the New York Jets are going to be looking for. And that's the guy when you're looking at, like, oh, Devin Funches, Calvin Benjamin. Those aren't that guy. Those are just guys that you can throw to if you've got a good offensive line to stand behind and find the right target at the right time with a good creative offense. Sure. It's going to take a little bit of work. We're going to have to get there. And we do have the draft as well. We're, the way it's slating right now, the Jets are going to be drafting very, very, very early. So you never know what they're going to be able to get. I'll get into that in just a little bit. But let's go to the defensive side of the ball real quick. We have a bunch of holes there. Some people the Jets could be looking at. I already said Demarcus Lawrence, and he's a guy that would be great on the edge to replace a guy like Henry Anderson. Definitely better than Nathan Shepard, right? But then we've got a couple linebackers the Jets could be looking at. K.J. Wright has been playing at a very high level for a long time. He's had some injuries this year, and he's getting older. But you can't have all 24-year-old players if you want to play well. I know it's great to have young guys, young guys, but still, you have to have a couple of veterans out there. You have to have a couple of guys that you can put on the field and know they're going to do a good job. This is a known product. He plays well. Let's get him and know what he's going to do. You can't get all these, well, what if this guy, he's really young. What if he becomes really good? What if he becomes really good? Yeah, that's awesome, but they're not all going to become really good. We've seen that time and time again. Some of these guys just suck. They don't turn the corner. They don't get any better. Look at all the guys we've drafted. How many of them got better? Very few. So don't get too hung up on, well, this guy's old, that guy's old. We don't have very many old guys on the roster right now. We've only got three guys over 30, Andre Roberts, Josh McCown, Steve McClendon, all free agents. We're going to have one of the very, very young rosters in the NFL, and it doesn't hurt to have a few guys who have been there, who have done it, and can consistently do it. It would help this team. We need it. We'll see. If the New York Jets get a head coach, say they get a guy like Harbaugh, current head coach of the Ravens, or a guy like Bruce Arians, past head coach of the Cardinals. A lot of his players are still in the league. Those guys may want to bring some of their own players over. They may see free agents and be like, oh, I worked with this guy. He knows my system. I want to bring him. Similar to the way Rex Ryan came in, and he brought Jim Leonard and Bart Scott and kind of tried to bring some of his own guys to the New York Jets to help instill the defense, show them what it's all about, set the tone. You wouldn't be surprised if a coach does that. So we're going to see, depending on who we sign as the new head coach, how that's going to affect the players that the New York Jets go after. But K.J. Wright, he's a veteran-type player. How about a younger linebacker, Anthony Barr? quick, successful. They're saying that in, in uh, Minnesota, they're currently in a situation where they're thinking about signing either Sheldon Richardson or Anthony Barr. They probably don't have the funds to sign both of them next year to new contracts. They're both free agents. If we can't get Anthony Barr, maybe they sign him. Do we go back for Sheldon Richardson? You know, he wouldn't be as good as Demarcus Lawrence, but he may be more available. Maybe a guy that can play right now. I know that he had some issues with the Jets in the past, but new coaching team, come back. You know, some of us already have his jersey. So you could put that right back on if he didn't burn it. He's going to be playing better than Henry Anderson. I know Henry Anderson had a hot start to this season, but Sheldon Richardson will play better defensive end right away, and the guy can play defensive tackle as well. He can slide to the middle. Big, strong player, and he may be worth looking at. If not him, Anthony Barr, a linebacker. Just a couple of Vikings to look at. And then a player like Tyron Matthew. A bunch of people wanted him this year, but we were like, hey, we have so many corners on the team. Should we really spend more money on Tyron Matthew? Maybe it was smart not to get him for this year, but next year we don't have Buster Screen. Mo Claiborne currently. 
we don't have Daryl Roberts. I mean, we're going to need some defensive backs. And Tyron Matthews, a versatile player who can play in the slot, can play outside, can play safety. And I think it would be a guy that the New York Jets could look at, depending on how his season here ends up with the Texans, whether or not he wants to resign there. Now, all these free agents, they could potentially sign extensions with the team they're currently on. There's a ton more that I haven't listed. There's so many more. Um, the New York Jets have to scout these players, figure out who they want, who's going to be there. Um, but that's one of the things I wanted to talk about also is the scouts real quick. Mike McCagden's missed on a bunch of draft picks, and we know this. He's time and time again, especially mid-round, drafted these guys third, fourth, fifth round that have just been absolutely awful. Chad Hansen and Ardarius Stewart are already off the team. We see what Jordan Leggett is bringing. These are just a couple examples of some of the terrible players he's drafted. There are so many more. But at what point do you say, all right, obviously it's his team. He's a general manager. It all falls on him. That's how it works. That's his job is to take responsibility for these things. But he's not going to every single game of all these college players looking at these players. A lot of this is on scouts. You've got college scouts all throughout the year who are supposed to make listings for you and say, oh, this is a guy who's going to be good. This is a guy who's going to be good. And they're supposed to compile data, put it together. The general manager goes to some of the games, the key ones, players that he specifically wants to see. He'll go to like pro days and stuff like that with the scouts. But they put the list together. He works with them and says, all right, what are we looking at? Then he goes through the film and, and finalizes everything. These scouts the New York Jets clearly are very bad. I mean, Mike McCagney's not doing a great job. Sure, we know that. He's drafting poorly, but who are the people giving him this information? We have to replace them. If we're not replacing Mike McCagney, he should seriously look at finding new scouts right away. These guys aren't getting it done, and, you know, it's, you can't, he can't really throw them under the bus, but I will. Because we're seeing who the Jets are drafting in these later rounds. He's like, Nathan Shepard? Really? An older player who's been out of football and then comes back and plays for a D2 school, Fort Hayes, and does pretty well? He's the guy who's going to come in and do it? I mean, who's looking at him instead of the players? And you're looking at the list of players that are available in that third round. You're like, oh, there's a lot of really good top-notch players that we knew were going to be good. Teams have drafted them, and they've proven that, yes, they are good. It was kind of like no question. It was This was, this was a unanimous, he's pretty good, he could be a second-rounder, but he's available in the third. Team took him, good player. Jets don't do that. They take a guy who's maybe on another team's sixth-round spot, fifth-round spot. They take him in the third round, and he doesn't play well. And it's just like scratching your head, okay... I understand you want to try to find something sneaky. Maybe you found a diamond in the rough, but let's not go searching through the rough. Let's look for the cream of the crop. Try to find guys that can make this team better right now. We need better scouts. We probably need a better general manager. Somebody in charge of this draft board in that war room needs to make better decisions. And maybe he wants to stick around. Maybe he's a good free agent general manager, but he should put it on someone else's shoulders to draft players because clearly he can't do it. I don't know why Chris Johnson can't just be like, we're going to make two positions. We're going to have a, a general manager who's in charge of the the free agent signing, the NFL co- talent, we're going to have a guy who's in charge of the college talent and who we draft. Because, I, you know, I think Mike McCagden is much better in free agency than the draft. Why does he have to do both? Chris Johnson, if you're hearing this, please consider it. I can help you try to find people. I can make a short list for you of people to do our drafting. I know Bill Polian's tied up in this new football league he's trying to create with some other people, but Bill Polian, he does a great job. We could have him do our draft for us, give him, like, you know, a couple million dollars just to do it, come through, let Mike McCagden do free agency, and then be a much better team that way. Uh, some stuff that we should be considering, because clearly it's not working this way, and yeah, we could fire everybody and get new people in, but you don't know that getting a new general manager is going to make any better of a draft. Did Idzik draft that much better? Were the end of Tannenbaum's drafts that much better? I mean, Tannenbaum was giving out bad contracts and doing crazy things with the Jets. You know, it was time for him to go. But Idzik came in, he drafted terribly, cut all the talent. McKagan came in, brought in a bunch of free agent talent, drafted terribly. I mean, he's been drafting in the top five or six 
year after year. So he's able to find guys like Sam Darnold, Leo Williams, and Jamal Adams. But those weren't big question mark players. That was like, these are some of the best players in the entire draft. They're going to be good. You don't get a lot of credit for that. No offense to him. I know they're his guys. But, you know, at the end of the day, I knew they were going to be good. You knew they were going to be good. But we need to draft better overall. I haven't done a ton of research on this year's draft coming up. Everybody seems to be in agreement that Nick Bosa right now is the best player. He's a defensive end. He's currently not playing for Ohio State because he had a little bit of an injury, and he knows he's going to be basically the best player in this entire draft. So he's like, all right, I'm not going to play for the rest of this year. I'm not going to get injured, and someone's going to draft me probably first overall. So he's a guy the Jets will definitely be considering if they're drafting up there and if he's available. I mean, Jets could technically have the first pick in the whole draft, the way things are going right now. We don't know if they're going to win another game. And they have really tough strength of schedule, which could give them the first overall pick. Conceivably, it's possible. be difficult for a team like the 49ers and, and the Raiders to find wins, but just say it happens. I honestly don't think they should draft him. I know that he'd be a great player, fitting a huge need for the Jets, but I think that he's so wanted and so highly coveted, as are a couple of these players high up in the draft, that if the Jets are there, instead of getting one guy with a third pick, it may be worth it for the New York Jets to trade back. And I know what you're thinking. Oh my God, give Mike McCagnan more picks? That doesn't make any sense. Let's have him pick more guys deeper in the draft, harder guys to find. He's proven that doesn't work time and time again. But when you think about it, we have so many needs. We've got to fill some holes, and we're going to get someone free agency, but you know we're going to come out of that free agency with a bunch of glaring needs still. There's no way that we're going to find a whole new offensive line, four wide receivers, a running back, two defensive linemen, two linebackers, and three cornerbacks. It's not going to happen. They're not all going to be good coming out of that draft or that free agency. So we're going to have a lot of holes. We're going to need to stockpile picks. I know we got one back for Teddy Bridgewater, trading him to the Saints. We lost one, trading up for Sam Darnold in this draft. We gave away a pick to the Colts, second rounder. But we got to stockpile picks, I think, in my opinion. Their uh, offensive line is an important need for the Jets. Those guys typically right now, if you're looking at big boards, you're not finding offensive linemen until 17, 18, 19th overall pick. And those are usually tackles first, because tackles are more highly coveted and harder to find in a more important position. But the Jets have Brandon Shell, Kelvin Beecham under contract. They may not be guys that you need to replace right now. So you're probably looking for interior offensive linemen, guards and center. And they're usually drafted much later. You can get the best guard usually somewhere around pick 17, 18, 19. You can get the number one. Maybe later, maybe in the 20s. And the center, sometimes you can get the best center in the second round. So if we can get more picks and get a guard and then get one of these you know, late first round running backs, because there's a few of them that drop down, some of these wide receivers that drop down are an edge rusher. I think that would be awesome. When you're looking at the the uh, big board right now, a lot of the players in the list are defensive linemen. It's a pretty deep defensive tackle class. There are some wide receivers up at the top as well. But they just don't need a defensive tackle. I mean, they could use one for sure, but it's not as big a need as a bunch of other positions. So I think that for us, yeah, trading back would be great. Now, that's not necessarily an option. You don't know where you're going to draft. So if you are up there, sure, take the position of need. Take the, you know, what are the positions of need for the New York Jets? It's edge rusher, wide receiver, running back, offensive line, and cornerback. I think offensive line is the most important thing, followed by wide receiver maybe. They need cornerbacks desperately. An edge rusher would change the defense, someone they can get to the passer. And then a running back would help make Sam Darnold's life a lot easier. Those are the things that you want to go for right away. And if you're drafting up there, you probably take the best player available at one of those five positions, in my mind. Now, I'm not going to go through all the the 
upcoming college prospects because one the college season's not over yet these guys have hardly played any football i mean some of these players come out as freshmen and sophomore and they've played like you know 12 career games there's not enough tape on them yet um i wait till the combine a lot of that other stuff going on and at least until like the bowl games and whatnot to really start scouting them all so i don't have enough information myself either some of it's just taken from the interwebs before i you know i'm, I'm focused on this jet season right now we got a lot of stuff going on i gotta evaluate in-house talent before i can start looking outside and say who are we gonna bring in free agency comes before the draft gotta get prepped for that but eventually i'm gonna spend time on the draft players the jets are gonna get um currently the jets are slated to have a top five pick and like I said, it's very possible that they drop down, you know, if they lose to the Patriots twice, the Texans, Titans, and Packers, and if they can't beat the Bills in Buffalo, the Jets don't win another game. You end up 3-13, and which is bad. Two more losses than they had last year. Which is why Todd Bowles is probably going to be fired. Which is why, on my short list, I've got all offensive coordinator, background, offensive-minded coaches as head coach candidates. I would take either Harbaugh. As annoying and abrasive as some of them may be, there's only two, but as, an, as annoying as they can be at times, their facial expressions and whatnot, they're both very good coaches. They both coached in the Super Bowl. They're offensive-minded guys, and they both could be looking for work with the New York Jets in the offseason. You know, you got to take what, what's given, what's available. Harbaugh's probably first pick, either one. If you can't get a Harbaugh, you know, Bruce Arians. I know he's old. He said he doesn't want to play uh, coach for the Jets right now, but he's an offensive-minded guy who's got a lot of respect in the NFL. He knows what he's doing, and he's had successful, successful teams. Was he a guy the Jets could look at? Sure. And then offensive coordinators of other teams, like, you know, Filippo of the Vikings, I've said. I think he's a, a guy that the Jets could be looking at. Overall, we know we have to get one, and it can't be another defensive coach. We do need a defensive coordinator because with Todd Bowles goes Casey Rogers. So we will have to bring somebody in, and I don't know. It's possible the Jets switch to a 4-3, right? You bring in a new defensive coordinator, new head coach, and they say, well, I've always run a 4-3. Now you're playing four defensive linemen. You're shifting up. Instead of drafting a, or bringing in another outside linebacker, you're bringing in a defensive end, and you're playing a totally different scheme. And they say, well, Avery Williamson can play a middle linebacker, and Darren Lee probably is a good backup player or something or a spot player, role player. They could easily shift the things. It's possible that they try a different type of defense. It's all going to be figured out when we get our new coach, but you know, you're going to bring in a new defensive coordinator with your offensive coach, and that's probably going to be someone hired by the general manager who right now, if I was guessing, I would say Mike McCagnan is going to be back as general manager for the New York Jets, if I was guessing. And I'm not entirely on board with that, but I think that he does have pretty good free agency signing success. I think he's got some good bargain players. I think he did really good things, you know, trading Teddy Bridgewater away, I think he did good things with moving up for Sam Darnold, getting us in position for that, signing some of these guys like Avery Williamson, who's not on a huge deal, um, and a bunch of other players throughout his career with the Jets. You know, when he came in his first year, he made us a 10-win team right away. I know it didn't last long, and it basically stunted our growth for the next two years to begin with, but we have Darnold now, a player that I think we can build around. And when it comes to Darnold, when's that guy going to play? He's currently wearing a walking boot, or he had been wearing a walking boot, didn't play, but he's uh, currently out of the walking boot. He's doing some jogging. He says he experiences no pain, feels really good. He's not practicing yet, but he's feeling good. I don't know if he's set to play against the New England Patriots this week. But when it comes down to it, I think they should probably just sit him one more week. This offense isn't ready probably to play at a high level yet, probably for the rest of the season. But against the Patriots and a defensive-minded coach like Bill Belichick, you don't want to see him just get his head handed to him as he hasn't seen game action in a couple weeks. Maybe a little bit slow getting to it. The Patriots, they're coming off a tough loss to the Titans, and they're going to be firing on all cylinders trying to knock his head off. I don't want to see that. I want to see uh, him get fully healthy, completely recovered, 
no more risk for injury, and maybe get him into a slightly more favorable matchup for him. I don't think we should baby him. I know he wants to play this game. He says it's fun, the rivalry with the Patriots. He's been watching the Patriots be on top for so long in the AFC East, and he'd like to play against them and have his chance to take them down. But, you know, at what cost? The Jets aren't going to win this game. We already know it. They're, I think, eight and a half, nine and a half point underdogs right now, which probably is generous. The Jets are probably going to lose by more than that. Yes, we play the Patriots well, but this is not the Jets that we've seen from last year. Not even as good as the team from the year before. This is the worst Jets team we've seen in probably like five, six years. Definitely since Todd Bowles has been there, in my mind, this is the worst team we've seen play. And uh, unless they can get stuff together really quick after this bye and they can start finding a little bit of rhythm, it's it's very likely going to be very ugly. In which case, just let them rest up one more week. Let them come into an easier game. There'll be notes on that. I'll be putting that stuff on Twitter You know, as, as information becomes available. As I think of more things throughout the week. Always follow me at Jets underscore Dan on Twitter for more bonus coverage throughout the week. Random thoughts that I get. Um, I know this was kind of like a messy episode of just one collective group of thoughts being fired at you as they come into my brain. But it's all stuff that I'm thinking about, and these are the things that the Jets really need to focus on. The free agency is going to be extremely, extremely important for the Jets. They have so many players that they need to replace, so many guys they have to consider re-signing. Um, really quick, my short list of guys that the Jets could re-sign for this year on their own team, Mo Claiborne, Quincy Nunwa. If you look at Jeremiah Tachu, who's still young, Andre Roberts is a great return man. Jonathan Harrison's been doing good center for the Jets in wake of uh, Spencer Long's suckingness. Henry Anderson, if we can't find a better defensive end, you know, he's only 28 years old, playing pretty good. Jason Myers is a free agent. He's been a good kicker this year. He deserves credit and maybe another contract. Daryl Roberts has played out of his mind for a backup cornerback this year. You know, he's only 28 years old himself, so maybe you consider bringing him back. Doug Middleton's 25 and a free safety, and we're going to need a position there, so he might be a guy you bring back. Then Frankie Louvu, he's a guy that has gotten to the quarterback time and time again. I know he doesn't get a bunch of sacks, really any, but he does get quarterback hits, and he's only 22 years old. He's one of the youngest guys in this entire roster, and he's a guy that could be worth getting back. But, you know, that's 11 guys out of the 29. That still leaves 18 positions you want to fill. Say, with Mike McCagnin's success rate, you're bringing in three of those guys from the draft. Now you've got to sign 15 brand-new players playing pretty significant minutes to the New York Jets. And that's just signing the players that are going to make the team. You also have to sign players to bring into training camp to fight for jobs. You know, players for the Jets like Kevin Minter and guys like Clive Walford that we had in training camp that didn't end up making it through the whole thing. Guys like Terrell Pryor, who are on the team for the Jets right now. We're going to have to have depth. We're going to have to get some help for Sam, protect him better, run the ball better, better options at receiver, better game planning. We're going to have to get to the passer a little bit quicker. We're going to have to tackle a little better from our linebackers. Make sure that we cover a cornerback. Trumaine Johnson's going to have to play up to his contract. He's got a big one right now for the New York Jets. It's the biggest one on the team. He's going to have to play up to it. It's a lot of stuff just kind of being fired out, but that's where I'm at, and that's basically all I've got for this week. This was a bi-week special, state of the franchise. Gives a little bit of a taste of what we're looking at, what Mike McCagden is planning for. I, obviously, he's got a plan for um, what's going to come next year. He doesn't know if he's going to be fired or not, but still he has to be prepared in case he's here. He may have to. He might be like, holy shit you're keeping me i gotta do this and you can't be behind the eight ball on that you gotta be looking at this ahead of time so he's looking into it right now and we should too those are the players that we should evaluate all the players that are free agents for the new york jets we should evaluate to see if we want to bring them back and all those players that are currently free agents for other teams we should be scouting them seeing who do we like and if you're watching a guy throughout the nfl that i didn't mention on my wish list that you know is going to be a free agent or even a guy that potentially we could trade for with something that we have if you have an idea in mind 
tweet it my way at jets underscore dan i am very interested in hearing what you got would be happy to include it in the episode it's uh, a lot of work going through all the positions of free agents because it's not really organized um on any sort of site they just like throw all the names on a list and one of the you can order it by age but that doesn't mean a ton or you can order it by what their current contract is but that includes like you know rookie contract players really young guys are at the very bottom all the highly played old players at the top so it's hard sifting through everything and finding these guys and so many players throughout the league so you get just hundreds and hundreds of names and you're just getting mind-boggled but give me ideas that you have because i'm trying to figure it out too and i want to see who i want to get because i want to have a feeling and be you know emotional and pissed off on free agency day because that's like the super bowl for the new york jets that's my big day that i plan for all year and i'm fired up and i come on get him go go that's that's our big day that in the draft so i gotta be pumped up for it but yeah if you like what you hear just rate review subscribe whatever you can do on any of the sites you're listening to whether it be on uh, the gangrene nation network you know you could pop on anything else spotify it's on there it's on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, pocket cast really anywhere you listen to podcasts you can find this thing and don't forget to check out my homeboy michael nania's podcast that's available under the same name gangrene nation podcast you're going to find it in there um his is the gangrene nation podcast name of his show under the gangrene nation podcast mine is this is the jet life under the gangrene nation podcast super confusing at first still confuses me sometimes but his show is super cool and it's worth a listen and i appreciate listening to mine for those of you who are tuning in whether you're a new fan or not even a fan at all, even if you're just listening. I appreciate you, Mom. If you're new, if you're old, whatever, I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. I enjoy making these episodes. Look forward to more coming. I know that when the New York Jets are good and all of these things happen and we sign all of these players that I want and draft perfectly and Sam Darnold is the best quarterback in the league, I know that making this podcast is going to be probably 10 times more exciting than it is right now. And it's already exciting. We're a three-win team, and I'm having fun making these things. So I plan on doing it for a long time, and I plan on this getting better and better. Appreciate you sticking by me, going through this process with me. The struggle is real, but the New York Jets will turn a corner. Hopefully it's in the next two years. One year would be ideal. Two years would be sufficient. Let's get this thing going. Take on the New England Patriots coming next week. I didn't do a Patriots preview. Oh, I was going to do a Patriots preview. Uh, They're going to crush us. They've got a ton of talent. Their offense is super complex their defense is super complex tom brady dinks and dunks stands in the pocket well chucks it finds the open receiver all the time the new york jets are going to have a hell of a time trying to cover that can't get anything going on offense it's going to be really really ugly that's probably what's going to happen here and that is your hard work strategically prepared new england patriots preview i hope it goes better than that i hope the new york jets play them well like they do from time to time they seem to play them well but you know it's going to be a big game from jordan jenkins the cornerbacks, if that's going to happen, you're going to have to have a big running game. Isaiah Crowell is going to have to have one of those games where he's on rather than one of the games where he's off. And our receivers are going to have to show up. If it's Josh McCown in there, he's got to find Robbie Anderson. If it's Sam Darnold in there, he's got to run for yardage, hit his young targets, his Robbie Anderson, his Chris Herndon, keep the chemistry going. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe he can throw the Patriots for a loop because they haven't seen him play yet. Here's to hoping. But with that, I'm officially out of content, and this episode is over. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you next week. Win or lose, rain or shine. Whatever happens against the New England Patriots, I'll be covering it here next week. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life.
Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Kerryu, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.